Hi all, and welcome to China EVs and More, where my co-host Lei Xing and I will go over some of the week's most important news coming out of the China EV, AV, and mobility sectors. We will open the room up at around the 40-minute mark to anyone who's keen to ask us any questions. One rule: we appreciate vigorous debate, but let's all be considerate and respectful to each other. What Lei and I discuss today is based on our opinions and should not be taken as investment advice. Even if it sounds like investment advice, it isn't. We encourage those who enjoy this room to please connect with us on Clubhouse, LinkedIn, follow us on Twitter, and of course, tune in again next week. My name is Tu Li, and I am the managing director at Sino Auto Insights, a Beijing-based consultancy that helps organizations bring innovative and tech-focused products and services to the transportation and mobility sectors. I write a free weekly newsletter that we pull many of our discussion topics from. You can sign up for it at SinoAutoInsights.com, which, of course, I encourage you all to do. Lei, can you please introduce yourself? Yes. Good evening. Late evening today,、uh, from my side. My name is Lei, and I am the former chief editor of China Auto Review, which published newsletters and the only tabloid magazine in English focused exclusively on the Chinese auto market. I've spent pretty much the last twenty years on the ground in China, covering the industry. I am now in the U.S. as an independent analyst, consultant, still trying to keep tabs on the rapidly evolving. Market. Before I get into every my, other day, every other day. Yeah. Before I get into my this week's headlines,、uh, <laughs> just to you know, huge applause to you for、uh, you know just gave a nice presentation, a mile high, over the top overview of the the the, the global EV, especially the Chinese EV、uh, space. So nice job there, and、uh, like、you. I said, I'll cut you some slack for today. So this week we saw. A lot of dollar signs in the EV and AV space. So, just some numbers to throw out there: five billion credit line for Cruise, right? And then the day later, Waymo got 2.5 billion from their existing investors. 300 million investment. These are all dollars, right? For Hussai Technology, the Chinese lidar company. Just yesterday, speaking of Hussai, they are supplying one of the lidars on Baidu Apollo's latest generation robo taxi in collaboration with Arcfox, the、um, high-end brand from、uh, BAIC Motor. That was a big announcement. Yeah, that was, that, that was huge. And a couple of other interesting、uh, developments recently.、Um, uh, last weekend, there were a couple of forums and. The CEO of、uh, BYD predicted that by 2030, China is going to have a penet- EV penetration rate of 70. And right afterwards, Neil's CEO William Lee he went even further. He said, you know, he predicted that it will be 90. So the numbers are just bonkers, just bonkers. Yeah. So coming back down to earth, currently from January to May, the penetration rate is at nearly 9%. For May alone, it went over 10%. But I guess all we have to do is add 10% each year, and by 2030. <laughs> but but let's let, let me let me add a, let、right? let me add some absolute numbers to that, Lay, so people can get an understanding of the vast、uh, amounts of EVs that are going to be sold. Because in China, I think the best year is around 24, 24.5 million. And by 2030, it's targeted or forecasted to get close to 30 million unit sales annually, right? So if we're talking 90% take rate 
holy cow, we're basically saying 25 million EVs by 2030. So to me, he's making many, many assumptions about capacity being available, no supply issues, no technology constraints. So, oh man, but but maybe, you know, maybe that 90% takes into account that. And he said that as a percentage on purpose. But, you know, if we're talking as of today, then again, we're talking about 25, 26 million cars in 2030, just in China alone. Yeah. By the way, I see people raising hands. Uh, we will have sort of this uh, one-to-one dialogue uh, for about 40 to 45 minutes, and then we'll open it up to question, uh, Q&A. So back to now, January to May was almost a million units, right? So let's not talk about 2030. Let's talk about this year. Yeah. What I think is still really, really tough to get my head around is GM has increased by 30% their forecasted investment to $35 billion by 2025. Ford has increased theirs to $30 billion by 2025. So are they just going to press an on-off switch on ICEs? Because they need to make that transition pretty smooth, right, from a sales standpoint. Otherwise, where's this $35 billion going to come from? And you know, it's a lot easier for the EV startups. You know, I tweeted that, you know, they were wondering, uh, somebody asked about the N5 and the P5 and how uh, the same car might tarnish the P5 branding. And I said, look, you know, they're, they need to increase capacity and they're going to build these N5s for low margin to no margin to keep the, the plant going. And then if they see a spike in P5 demand, they'll just switch over to the P5 because it's easy, right? It's just a decon. The N5 is just a decanted P5. So manufacturing-wise, it's the same thing. We're just adding a couple option packages to it, right? But, you know, the legacy automakers, they already have these huge footprints, right? And so if they don't sell a boatload of cars, then they got to close them. And, you know, maybe in the grand scheme of things, that's what they're alluding to, right? But I love the fact that GM and Ford have turned the corner and there's no turning back now. How... The rest of the United States is going to react, especially because you had tweeted July 8th, Tavares is going to launch his Stellantis electric strategy, right? So that's going to play into the United States where Dodge, Ram are super important brands for them. And then here with Jeep, with, um, you know, a few other brands, uh, Peugeot. So they need to play catch up with the United States and then they also need to really, really be assertive in China as well. So if we kind of make Stellantis a hybrid between Europe and the United States, then they're right now in Ford's position five years ago, caught in no man's land, trying to figure out what to do next. Well, you know, one thing that's for sure is that Baidu has grown tired of sitting on the sidelines when they see other people getting all the headlines, right? So you see Baidu being much more aggressive about patting themselves on the back and promoting their progress. And so I don't really see that changing. Uh, hopefully we'll get an opportunity to talk to them about it in detail next week. I will give you guys an update if that's the case. But uh, hopefully we also get to go look at that Art Fox, maybe even get driven around in it a little bit. Uh, we shall see. But, uh, you know, I lost you there for a second. And should we talk about some sales numbers of some of these other cars? Well, you know, we talked about Arcbox, um not doing well. Mm-hmm. Polestar, not doing well. Uh, Polestar, right, they also made an announcement that they will build the Polestar 3 here in the U.S. 
right. but that's and by the way i got to say like you know when sales are in the hundreds you're being kind when you're saying they're not <laughs> well i mean postar they're just piggybacking on um volvo right because volvo is doing yeah. well both here in the u.s and in china relatively so they'll make you know they make the s60 right they're gonna make the next gen xc90 in uh, south carolina right and three is a suv right one right. and two are both sedan style coupe style vehicles you know it's important for for both the u.s and the china market you know the Pol the polestar 2 they really thought when it launched that it was going to be able to compete against the model 3 and obviously that didn't happen and exporting it to the united states they eat most of that 27 and a half percent tariff so it's definitely not profitable for them in the u.s either so they're mitigating some risk and they're going to the sweet spot by building an SUV in the United States to avoid that lift, that tariff that, that they'd have to pay otherwise if they were to manufacture in China. So, but man, hundreds, like if you invest half a billion dollars in a platform and manufacture the car, get the plan all set up, buy the parts, prime the pump, expecting to get 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 a month, and you're only at a few hundred, I mean, you're bleeding all kinds of money. So I don't know what they're doing to, it's, it's hard selling cars in China, selling cars in general is hard, but hundreds is pathetic. Do they not understand their customer? That's obvious, but are there structural issues? I don't know. Yeah, Polestar, I think is just in a weird spot, you know, positioning wise. And of all those brands that, that on that latest Geely Group structure, <laughs> and brand map, right? You look at that and, uh, you know, even even for me, it's hard to, uh, you know, oh, digest. I defer to you on stuff like that for the Chinese companies, but and man, then, that's, that's complicated. Yeah, and then speaking of sales and Geely, so the, the, we, we talked about this earlier in the show, Zeker, they stopped taking reservations because their deliverable vehicle is all sold out. I think that was another marketing right. stunt you know just kind of to say hey we're the order intake as well we're not gonna take any more orders uh but yeah but lay like, this is how this is this is how ridiculous it is before we build job one yeah we sold out so before we build anything yeah, so so you know out. in chinese there's the final side which means uh versailles it's a it, it means that you you're trying to show off without showing off <laughs> right Right. So, so uh, <laughs> in English, we call that humble brag. Oh, okay. Humble brag. I, I learned a new word today. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> another so, interesting thing is, though, the Z curve, um, they, they gave out some numbers. So, the, their average selling price for their Orient take was 335000 which is right above uh, what the Lee Auto One sells, right? 328000 that's right. that's pretty high for i mean it's a high-end brand but it, it's pretty good i thought um and according to my knowledge it's about eight thousand to nine thousand units uh, let's just say ten thousand right that they said this year they they, they mm -hmm. plan to you know produce and, and deliver about that uh, amount of which is which is which is pretty conservative which is a yeah, pretty conservative I'm, number I think. it's yeah, conservative, but it's it's okay. It's good enough, and they do have this uh, special um, dedicated uh, production plan in Nimbo. So right. that's yeah, that's I mean, so I, I guess you you know these Chinese brands are these new ones, new brands just announced in April. 
that they can go up there uh, in terms of pricing and the way how they operate mm-hmm. it, right? The, the, the CEO, they, they speak directly to the customers, the, the potential customers, and they're going to launch their own app, just like the Neil app. So kind of a user-based, right, community. Everybody's trying to copy that business model. But, I mean, I, I think it was more of marketing. It, it pissed off some potential uh, customers. And the caveat is they no longer take sort of the um, refundable reservation. It's a, um, you know, what they call in Chinese small uh, right. reservation. They do still take the big yep. reservation, which is you pay a higher amount to re, uh, reserve a model. That means you're definitely going to buy it, you know, after June yes. 15th. And that, if you do that, then the order won't be delivered until after the Chinese New Year in 2022. So after February. And right. also there's like, you know, subsidy issues, right? Um, and they said they promised that it'll be, you know, subsidized uh, according to whatever um, standards. Yeah, and remember that subsidies are going to go away after. Yeah, it will be a uh, uh, phased, so, you know, uh, reduction next year. So, I think it's the end of actually uh, next year is the last year that there will be subsidies, right? So yeah. yeah, you know, with the struggling sales of the foreign automakers, at least the Polestar, the ID four, the only thing I can conclude is that Chinese consumers at that price point are buying domestic e brands. You know, like because. If the market, if the EV market is growing and VW is not taking the, a disproportionate amount of that volume, then it's going somewhere, right? Yeah. The- so, and the ID4 is priced really aggressively, right, at two hundred thousand RMB. So, if no one wants to buy it at two hundred thousand, are they going to Xpeng? Are they going to WM? Are they going to some of these other manufacturers at the two two fifty price point? Yeah, they yeah. have to be, I right? Think- that's this is a part where the Chinese smart EV startups, they have the upper hand because they know the Chinese consumers much better, right? Uh, and they started Agreed. with this Agreed direct totally. kind of communication uh, sales model and how they approach and, and you know, inter- interact with the customers. The ID4 has definitely underperformed so far based on April, May numbers hovering around you know, 700,000 units, uh, 700 units, 600 units a month. And they just launched the ID6, which is exclusive to Chinese market at a starting price, not that much higher than the ID4. So I don't know. I mean, I I just think, I think how they priced. So I looked at uh, that the ID6 is definitely influenced by the ID4 performance a bit. Mm Mm-hmm. I would think, you know, by now it'll be thousands, at least four digit sales numbers. So in, in the EU, in the EU, the ID4 is selling in the thousands, but not in the high thousands. I think twelve, fifteen hundred a month. So I have to say, you know, I live in Beijing where most of the German manufacturers are or all the German manufacturers are. And I just got the impression that there is a bit of arrogance that they're just gonna launch this ID four and sell a boatload of them without really, really raising finger or lifting a thumb right so uh, to your point you know i do i do totally agree that chinese brands understand the market understand the customer better especially when it comes to non-ice vehicles right because i'm oversimplifying this and probably for the last 30 years volkswagen brand has had it pretty easy right i don't think they've spent a disproportionate amount of money on marketing they've been able to sell a lot of different products 
up and down the market segments just because of the VW branding on their on their grill. But it's different. Digital natives are much more comfortable with domestic brands. And I think if they expected the ID4 to be a high runner, holy cow, they're in a world of hurt and they're gonna have to make it up somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, and, and but obviously, you know, for Volkswagen, they were the one of the first the two joint ventures were one of the first to hit with a chip shortage problem in China. This was back in right. December, November of last year. So I, I don't know whether that played any role. But I mean, so far, the sales are, are I wouldn't say dismal, but not what I expected. <laughs> Pretty close to dismal. Well, like we always <laughs> say in this room that, you know, we look at it a longer term. And, and yep. so far, it hasn't been that well. June supposed to be better. June supposed to be better, even better for Tesla, you know, from what I've yeah. heard. So. Well, again, and, and what we'll see, because, you know, let's look at the long term, but what we'll see is in a growing market, you would expect the ID4 at a 700 per month baseline to grow as well, right? But should they be growing much, much steeper if if it's only incremental growth? Yeah, and and, and and they're they're Actually. even you know putting the um, launching the ID three pretty soon, maybe by the end of this year, which is right. right. You would think that it's got to be below the ID four, obviously. And how they're gonna price that? You know, hundred fifty thousand MMB starting right? September. <laughs> I think it's gonna get super cutthroat because that's traditionally when in the China market sales start significantly uh, increasing. So if the Model Y is fully ramped. We're going to see a huge bump in sales for that. Um, and then we'll see whether or not these other companies, whether it's Polestar, whether it's Volkswagen, whether they're just uh, slow out of the gate, or do we have a problem, Houston? And should we be pushing the panic button? Yeah. So, so Model Y and Model 3 were number two and three uh, in May uh, registrations, right be- behind um Mini EV, so they're still up there. Can we just can we officially say that they're number one and number two because of the huge price discrepancy between the Wing Hongguang versus the three Yeah, Hongguang? I mean, <laughs> right. If if you if you show you know one of the chart you showed in your presentation was right, the Mini EV was in terms of price and tech, it was at the very low lower left hand corner, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a special right. species, so right. this was still number one if you. Put if you delete or if you uh, ignore the ruling. <laughs> premature, premature demise of Tesla, I think. What was I going to... So I wanted to ask you, Lunar, I think, they're the ones that raised $300 million? Luminar is the one Hussai. that announced the Blade, oh, yeah. Blade um, design concept, which is, right, so yeah. the integration, it's about the integration of LiDARs on, on, on roof, roof lines. 300 million is a huge number for a LiDAR company. Does that automatically make them the CATL? I think we LiDAR talked about this China? in the last episode. So Xiaomi is behind it, right? One of the investors behind it. So yep. it's, you know, uh, and, and Hesai is being used on, on Baidu, yeah. the robot taxis. Cost. And cost meaning you don't have to use the most advanced technologies, right? The type of LiDAR, how whether you have spinning parts, right? Whether it's mechanical, whether it's MEMS, whether it's solid state, right? It's definitely not solid state for, yes. for the robotaxi. <laughs> so, yeah. And Hesai has done, you know, they had a dispute with Velodyne, but uh, they, they reached the truce. So these local players are, are, are getting the upper hand. 
Yeah, for sure. That brings us to the end of this week's show. Lay and I thank you for tuning in. My name is Tu Lee, and you can find me on Twitter at Sino Auto Insight. That's S-I-N-O-A-U-T-O-I-N-S-I-G-H-T. You can find Lei on Twitter at LeiXing77. That's L-E-I-X-I-N-G-7-7. If you wouldn't mind rating and or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you grab your podcast from, we'd appreciate that as well. Even better, if you enjoy this show, please tell your friends about it. Please join us again next week as we track down all the latest news on China, EVs, and more.